What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching as the case may be. Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about whether or not we should plow the fields that we sow in, in which we sow. Anyway, this is from a parable in Mark chapter 4. I don't know if I could say it's an overlooked parable. Let's just say it's an overlooked parable by me. It's kind of, it's short. I think Jesus told it just for one point and it's not, I mean, it kind of loses itself in the background, um, being in the background of like, for instance, the parable of the prodigal son, um, the, uh, the parable of the sower. I mean, you already have a, a sower parable where a sower goes out to sow and there's three kinds or four, four kinds of soil, um, all that good stuff. So, this parable, though, I think is rather profound, and it's profound in its simplicity and what it's trying to say, but I'm going to try to develop a thought for us today um, from an implication of this parable. So we're going to read the parable. We're going to talk about the, the meaning of the parable. In other words, what Jesus intended to teach with it. Then we're going to try to draw some 21st century application. Good to see everybody. Reginald Perry in the uh, YouTube chat. So thankful for everybody that shows up. Thankful for you to YouTube watchers. Um, don't forget we are on X that is uh, formerly known as Twitter. You can find us at one Chronicles one, two, three, two. That's the verse about the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know how Israel ought to go. Well, you and I need to have understanding of the times to know how we can help the church in these times presently. Uh, hello, Paul Owussi. Good to see you. Good to, uh, I think everyone is good. Equipping Expositors Ministry from YouTube. That's John Exum. And remember, follow us on Twitter or X if you can. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, I feel like I should say, the best way to do it is a $5 a month subscription at Substack. We put out an article every day and... Uh, the article that we put out today to me was just, re I, I love putting these articles together. I get inspiration for them from a lot of different places. A lot of my interactions on Facebook, a lot of blurbs and stuff that I see as I'm scrolling through social media and I'll just take a, I'll take a thought and I'll develop it into a short, uh, blog style article. Um, very, every once in a while I'll write an article that, I feel like is rather profound and 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 deep, but most of these are blog articles that are kind of surface level and they're designed to make you think, to uh, whet your appetite for more study, or just to give you a good thought to see you through the next couple of days. So hopefully you like content like that. It's a free subscription. Uh, we do try to offer some stuff behind a paywall but you will never feel like you're missing out on something good just having a free subscription. But if you want to support us monetarily, Substack's the best way to do it. You can also do Podbean and, and buy me a coffee, although I, I'm I'm leaving, I'm getting away from buy me a coffee. So 
So www. Uh, I said Podbean. Uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Christianity Now. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I will put a tip jar up that that gives you access to the PayPal. And I would ask, as you go into the 2024 year uh, and think about your finances, if you're looking for a worthy uh, platform to support and you like what we do and when you feel like we add value uh, to your walk of faith, consider supporting Christianity now. Aaron Dotson and myself are... Um, we're, we're, this is good work and I really enjoy working with Aaron and, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. I'm going to put up the, uh, the contact information from our sponsor. As you know, every show we do an ad read. Are you part of a congregation or any other institution seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email, which is the preferred method, to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. Now, I am going to uh, put up the, the tip jar Remember, this goes directly to the PayPal. Uh, some of you do that, and I, we really appreciate it. And yeah, that's all I've got. Let's get into the meat of the podcast. Should we be plowing the fields? I had a discussion, and um, I, I'm going to tell you this: this guy was was pretty pretty haughty and pretty arrogant, and quite frankly, he was uh, belligerent and a bully. Um, I had a conversation about. Uh, here's what he kind of thought. And he was over applying certain passages of scripture, but in his mind, here's how evangelism worked. So let's, let's say you're going to be door knocking, knock, knock, knock. Hey, what's up? My name's Tony. I'm from the such and such local church. We'd love to invite you to our gospel meeting or would like to know if you'd have a Bible study with us. And if they said something to the effect of, well, we don't believe in God, we don't believe in the Son of God, or we're a member of a denominational body, um, and we don't feel like we need to have any more study, or, or we wouldn't want to have study with you, or whatever. Um, his deal was, you just write those people off. Like, you, you just write them off and never mess with them again. And he was over-applying, I think, some passage of Scripture, like, for instance, if uh, when the sons of thunder and Jesus were rejected, uh, John and his brother wanted to call down lightnings on a per on a city, and Jesus said, "No, don't do that. If somebody rejects you, just wipe the dust or shake the dust off your feet and walk on down the road. Don't let it bother you." And I think really that's missing the point if you take that and apply it to in your evangelism, in your in your as you go discipleship, and that's a reference to. Acts chapter 8, they, as they went, they preached the gospel whenever they were dispersed because of the persecution. Um, that doesn't mean they went from point A to point B and then in point B preached the gospel. That means as they were traveling, as they went along, they preached the gospel. So I've stolen this term from somebody, and it's called as you go evangelism, as you go discipleship. So if you take this passage of Scripture that talks about shaking the dust off your feet, and you apply it to a situation where you meet somebody that's initially resistant to the gospel, 
Well, you don't shake your dust, shake the dust off of your feet. You don't just totally write them off. I mean, you you got to, the, the field has got to be plowed. The, 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 think about the parable of the sower. A sower goes out to sow. Some seed falls on the wayside soil. Some seed falls on the thorny ground. Some seed falls on the rocky ground, the stony ground. Some seed falls on the good ground. The good ground is tended, plant, or t- uh, excuse me, not planted, uh, tended, plowed, curated ground. It's prepared ground. Now, who does the preparing? That's what I want to know. That's the focus of the podcast for today. Because the implication there is if the ground is not prepared for the seed, if the ground is not ready to receive the seed, then you may get a plant, but it's going to wither and die. You may get a plant and it's going to be choked out by the cares and troubles of the world. You may get a, or or you'll, you'll throw the seed and the ground will receive the seed, but something will come along and take it away because the ground is hard packed and it won't even germinate. Hello, Terry Crooks. Hello, Sheila Cole. Uh, Rob Whitaker has a three study set designed for people who are skeptic of God, the Bible and Jesus. That's interesting. I did not, uh, John, uh, or equipping expositors ministry. John, is that, is that something different than the, uh, three pamphlets? That's interesting. I didn't know he had that. Um, if it is different, I didn't know he had that. I really like the back to the Bible. Um, those three, in fact, I love Paul Sane's book, Someone Died and Left You a Fortune. I really wish that I could get somebody um, to send me a big stack of of, of each of those uh, studies. Um, what are they called? Is it called Back to the Bible? I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, oh, cool. John Exum, uh, Equipping the Expositors Ministry. John, I'm just going to say whenever you whenever you comment as is, is equipping expositors ministry, I'm just going to call you John because I'm getting tongue tied. Um, yes, it is the believe the Bible set. Oh, that's cool. And Ben Grady says, especially when it's someone you have regular contact with, it may take ten years or more. Patience and diligence. Ben Grady, I've never had it take ten years, but uh, we baptized a fellow into Christ. Uh, before I went to preaching school with whom I had been talking uh, and studying with for six years, I couldn't imagine if uh, what, what, I mean, what would happen if I'd have just wrote him off and shook the dust off my feet when he initially refused. Now that's not to say that you never shake the dust off your feet. Just kind of use your head there. Um, good comments. I think I said hi to everybody. If I missed you, I didn't mean to. Uh, Terry Crooks, good to see you. Paula Woosie. All right. And, uh, oh, I remember. Yeah, I did say hi to y'all. Um, good deal, Lucille. Gita, good to see Gita, all is well with me. Um, th- in fact, things are going so well, um, it's it's a good deal. Um, Daryl Broking uh, regularly has fishers of men. Contact him if you'd like to do that. May do that. Uh, I could actually teach through the Fishers of Men stuff. I've, I've been through that program a couple of times. Um, I, I like it. Uh, my only, um, my only pushback, and I, I don't know if I saw. I, I don't. I don't know. I 
what I'm about to say, interpret it through the filter of, of believing the best. I'm not being critical for criticism's sake, and I'm not saying that you should not use Fishers of Men. But my only beef for Fishers of Men, I actually talked to Tim about this. Um, there's this section where they have these questions that are hedging someone, or not hedging, but are pushing someone towards a particular uh, side of an of an academic pursuit, um, th- which is Jesus became sin on the cross. And the reason that it had not been changed is because Tim Wilkes and his, at the time, his, I think his father's passed on, but Tim Wilkes, the people that owned it, Fishers of Men, that uh, owned that material, they did not have the rights to change those questions or else Tim, Tim said he would have them changed. And he has to deal with that kind of weird, uh, a weird way during a study. But, um, but that's my only, that's my only knock against it. The reason I like Paul saying someone died and left you a fortune is because these academic pursuits that are associated with the salvific process, like, for instance, the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you're studying with somebody about salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit is going to come up. Whenever you have these um, these studies that have these yes and no questions and these very poignant, simple questions, I think the temptation for the uh, organizer of these studies is to place into them or or insert into them through the questions, their bias towards certain academic pursuits. And the beautiful thing that I can say about someone died and left you a fortune is throughout all of that entire studies, and there's several, several lessons, um, you will never know what the author's view is on certain academic pursuits. So I really like it. Um, it it's, I mean, I like it a lot. Um, and I've used, I've, I've probably... I mean, I, I'm no, I'm no Marshall Keeble. I'm no, um, you know, like those men of old. I'm, I'm certainly no Rob Whitaker. But um, over the last four or five years, I've probably baptized into Christ. Uh, no, that's not right. I got, I got, I, I got, I got a. In the last seven years, I've, I've probably baptized over ten people. I'm trying. Anyway, yeah, we'll say ten people. Um, I don't want, I can't count them as I'm on live or else we'll just have dead air. Um, but anyway, uh, Praveen, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, yeah. If Jesus became literal sin, then we have no serious, we have a serious contradiction. You got that right. Uh, Ben Grady looks like, what, what, looks like you're correcting a misspelling. Oh, right there it is. Uh, you never know. I had an atheist friend in high school who converted after many years. Absolutely. And, uh, hey, hey, Alabama, I do appreciate you telling me about Dale Broking. And, yeah, I, that's that's definitely something we could do is go through the fissures of men. But the reason I like the Rob Whitaker stuff, the back to the Bible, is it's three lessons. It is succinct. It's it's easily digestible. And it, it it's kind of like the difference between uh, learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a Marine learning about six or seven different 
moves in order to neutralize an individual. Uh, the Would you say yes or no, the Marine that's been trained and is diligent in his training is a very dangerous individual, even though he's not a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He knows enough to be very, very effective. And the black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu knows much more than him. But again, it's it's both of them are very effective. Those three pamphlets that Rob Whitaker sells, I guess house to house, heart to heart now has those. Um, they are like the boiled down. There's no fat on this carcass. It's all meat. There's nothing extra. Once you go through those three studies, you will have been equipped with every piece of information and piece of knowledge that you need in order to obey the gospel. Uh, hey, hey, Alabama, I'm 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 99.99% sure that he doesn't believe that concept as well. Uh, but like I said, that plate, listen, I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't even have said anything because it's not, I don't know. It's just that that's my only beef. If I, if I could call it that with the material, not the program, the program's amazing. I have never seen a congregation go through the fishers of men study that if they put in the work that they didn't have a, a groundswell of con- converts to Christianity. All right. Let's talk about this plowed field, though. Um, here's the pl- and awesome. Thank you, Hey Hey Alabama. I appreciate that validation. Uh, hey Hey Alabama says, no problem. Glad to, or good to know that about it. Good deal. All right. This parable is still along the line of the motif of sowing seed. Let's read it, and then let's talk about this idea of plowing field. Incidentally, I, I've said that, I guess I'm saying it because it's Christmas. Get you a really nice, get, get you, for you, the nicest copy of God's Word that you can afford in whatever translation or version that you like best, and spend time in it. I'm so thankful for all this digital tools that we have. I mean, without all this digital technology and all these digital tools, you and I wouldn't be here today. When I say what I mean is here in this live stream, we'd be here today. You know, I was born and conceived before all the digital age. But um, anyway, my point is, there's you just there, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do to 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 beat what I've got right here in my hand. And look at that, you know, people, Tony, you're mistreating your Bible. No, this is a Cambridge cameo. Man, this Bible is bound. It's 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 look at look at it. It's like butter. It just it's just look at that. It's amazing. Anyway, um, oh oh, let's get back to the podcast. Hey hey, Alabama's got a good comment. Look, buy you the nicest Bible that you can possibly afford in the version or translation that you like, and read that Joker every single day. Um, equipping Expositors Ministry says you are hurting the spine that of course talking about the spine of my Bible and he's saying joke joke I, I I need you to get out of here I don't need that negativity in my life this is an amazing Bible and it's made to do that with say look hey all jokes aside John Exum have you ever seen Keith Mosier preach like this I've seen Keith Mosier bend that Bible and ha- bend his Bible in half and hold it just like this and preach like that Maybe that's where I got it from. Anyway, talk about emulating people you look up to. 
Uh, but anyway, Jonathan, don't get out of here. You're good. I, I, we're, we're just joking. All right. And and John Exum says, I do the same thing, by the way. I wonder if we pick that up from Keith Moser. I wonder if we're emulating somebody we respect. Anyway, uh, John says, I'm the local pester, you know. Yeah, that's from Billy Bland. All right. Uh, here's the here's the the comment I wanted to talk about from Hey Hey Alabama. I have a problem with pushing people toward baptism, even though they may understand what was taught. They may not be ready, and all they do is get wet. This is this is a very real concern that we should have, and I somewhat tongue in cheek say that when it comes to people obeying the gospel, I try to talk them out of being baptized. Now, do I really? Well, no, because there usually there's an imbalance of power, and if if I'm studying with somebody and they want to obey the gospel, I, I ta- if I try to talk them out of it, I'm probably going to be able to talk them out of it when I shouldn't be able to talk them out of it. But what I mean is I want to make sure somebody's ready. I don't, I don't want to lead them to the waters of baptism, I want to have to chase them to the waters of baptism because they're going to go there with or without me. I remember uh, a young man, uh, he was he was on the verge of the age of accountability and we were we were in class on Wednesday night and he he told me, he said, I want you to talk to my grandmama. His grandmama had had guardianship custody of of the, the, the that particular uh decision and his grandmother grandmama kept telling him you're not ready and he said tony i want you to talk to my grandmama and um tell her i'm ready because i'm i'm, I'm ready to be baptized i need to obey the gospel i'm like okay well um i'm not telling you to rebel against your grandmother but son whenever you're really ready to obey the gospel when you're really ready to submit to the watery grave of baptism to, and, and have your body buried to be raised again to walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6, you're not going to ask anybody's permission. You're just going to do it. Now, I'm not telling you to rebel against your grandmama. I'm just telling you this is what's going to happen when you're really ready. And the next class... He said, I tried to talk to my grandmama. She says, I'm not ready. And he's wringing his hands. He's kind of rocking back and forth. And he's starting to tear up. He said, if I don't get baptized, if Jesus comes back, I'm going to go to hell. If I die, I'm going to go to hell. I have sinned. I'm not right with God. I need to do this. Please, please, I don't want to disappoint her, and I don't want to make her mad. Would you please talk to her? I got to do it. Folks, that's what I'm talking about. Now, granted, at, at like 13 years old, I, he wanted me to advocate on his behalf. And I talked to his grandmama, and his grandmama said, do you think he's ready? And um, he, it, which was weird that she was asking me because she uh, tanned my little hide or threatened to a time or two whenever I was young. Um, so that was an odd that was an odd swap and dichotomy of power but and when i say power you you understand what i mean Uh, influence i should say um anyway we baptized him and i have no doubt that 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 he i have no doubt about his readiness but i'm with you hey hey alabama 
I think we do a grave disservice when we herd people towards the water. In fact, I think there are at least four people that I totally ruined. I had a, I had, I had great intentions, but I totally ruined because I baptized them and all, and they weren't convinced. I just out argued them. This was this was years before I went to preaching school. I out argued them, and so I think they I think they got baptized just because they lost the argument. I could be wrong, but I think they went down dry centers and they come up wet centers because, as you've well stated, just getting wet it doesn't matter. Hey, hey, Alabama says that's what happened to me. Forty years later, I was baptized. Absolutely. Awesome stuff. All right. Uh, I'm going to put the tip jar back up, and then we're going to read this parable, and then we're going to talk about the implication of plowing fields. I love these live streams and the comments and stuff. You never know exactly how they're going to go. When I say how they're going to go, it always goes great, but you never know which direction the show is going to take. So here's the parable. And this is Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. We're going to read through 29. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First, the blade, then the ear after that, the full corn in the ear folks. Notice what's happening here. The man, the sower planted the seed and he lets the seed do the work it is not our job and this goes back to the story that i told about arguing somebody into the water it's not our job to do the convincing and the convicting second thessalonians two fourteen: we are called by the gospel of jesus christ it is the gospel that convicts the heart. In fact, uh, let's go to the book of Psalm. I'm going to read Psalm 19, and since this is my live stream, I'm just going to read it in its entirety because I think it's important, and I'll, I'll pull a thought from it. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day uttereth speech, and night into night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he hid a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Folks, that's that's you can ascertain the existence of God from observing nature. If you can see how the sun goes across the sky and how the law of thermodynamics works and how the sun heats up stuff, then then you get it. You can say, that's a design, that's dependable, I can ascertain God's existence. But you cannot be one iota closer to God without the law of the Lord. Listen to it. The law of the Lord is perfect. 
converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Folks, look at what the law of the Lord does. Now, this is the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul, the testimony of the Lord, which is the law, the word of God, makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord, which is another way of saying the word of God, are right. It rejoices the heart, so it makes the sad heart glad. And the commandment of the Lord, which is another way to say the word of God, is pure, and it enlightens the eyes. Four things, four things the word of God does. Now, once the word of God does that, then we have a response to it. Listen, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to, so we they're clean, they're righteous, you can you can desire them and nothing's wrong with it. Incidentally, the role of the Father was creation and to, and to, and to make his presence known. The role of the, the Son is the law of the Lord, is to make people converted, wise, uh, enlighten them. And I missed one. And then the Holy Spirit's job, well, the Holy Spirit revealed the Word of God, and the Word of God works on the heart and minds of a man, so we can say the Holy Spirit's job is to instill a deep abiding respect or fear for God. We understand that the, the through the Holy Spirit's revelation that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, so we we can fear the Lord because of the true and righteous judgments. And we know that they're more to be desired than gold, yes, much more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. So these commandments and statutes and judgments, by them... Is thy servant warned? So the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit through the word of the Lord, warns the servant of God and rewards the servant of God through keeping the commandments and judgments and statutes and all that. Who can understand his errors? Well, the person who reads the Bible. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit enlightens the Holy Spirit through the word of God does all of this. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let not them let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So why did I take this excursus? I wanted to focus on the idea of the plowed field and how the farmer in Matthew in Mark rather chapter four, whenever he planted that seed, Luke eight eleven, the seed is this, or the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Well, he plants the seed. Well, he watered, he planted, but who gives the increase? You see, the increase is given in due season. So there's a sense in which we plant the seed and we have to give the seed time to do what the seed does. Well, that's what the parable is for. That's what the parable is about. 
And I will tell you this. I think sometimes, and I've been guilty of this in the past, we try to harvest a plant where we have never planted any seed. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when you go out and you do as-you-go evangelism, as-you-go discipleship, you meet people in the world, and guess who they act like? They act like people of the world. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. I guess it for a while it surprised me. And I'd be like, well, that person there, they're they're all sinful. They don't care about Jesus. I, they're, they're not a good candidate for the gospel. Folks, go read Romans chapter 1. God revealed his wickedness against all ungodly, revealed his wrath against all wickedness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth and ungodliness. I, I did that. I know people who do, and I hope we I hope they change. I changed. I hope they change. But looking at somebody and saying, "Well, that person's in sin," so I'm not going to teach them the gospel, is the same amount of foolish as going to a field that you've never sown and trying to harvest plants and trying to harvest fruit. We shouldn't be surprised that pigs play in the mud. Um, yeah, John Exum. Um, I think that's how the Holy Spirit convicts men today, through or by his word, not separate from his word. In that way, I can say that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Am I in left field? No. And I will tell you this, uh, the Holy Spirit's job is, is part, of, part of his job is conviction, but, and it happens through the word. And I'm just wondering if these th- these ideas are so semantically overloaded nowadays, we might be doing a disservice. So, it's one that you like. You don't want to. I don't know. Um, I was going to say you don't want to not ever mention the Holy Spirit, and you don't want to ever. But I, I think if we put too much undue attention on the Holy Spirit, we're also in violation of principle. You know what? Think about. It. I, I'm not. I'm not a part of the Church of the Holy Spirit. I'm not a part of the Church of God the Father. I'm part of the church that's owned by the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Think about that. Acts chapter 28, no, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Paul tells those Ephesian elders at Miletus, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Well, the text there, Paul uses, Luke records his words as the church of just Theo, deity. Well, which deity? Is it the church of God the Father? No, because God the Father didn't purchase the church with his own blood. Is it the church of the Holy Spirit? No, it's not. Uh, The Holy Spirit didn't purchase the church with his own blood. In fact, you can read, read John 14, 15, 16, and 17. The Holy Spirit is not even going to speak of himself. He can only speak the things that Jesus wants him to say. And truly and really, that's the great unsung sacrifice of the third member of the Godhead. The first member of the Godhead's sacrifice is to send his son. The second member of the Godhead's sacrifice is to to literally sacrifice himself, die on the cross, 
And incidentally, when he's resurrected and crowned king of the of the nation of, of the of the kingdom of God, I almost said the nation of God, but I guess that works. The kingdom of God. Read First Corinthians fifteen. He's just going to give it back at the end of time. And then the unsung sacrifice of the third member of the Godhead is he gives up his agency and his personhood. Now, I know the Holy Spirit is a person, but whenever you read the Scripture, you read the Holy Spirit. And there, there is, I'd have to go find it, I can't remember. There is, uh, uh, there are script, there are verses in the Bible that refer to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as an it. I don't think we should. Well, I don't think we should draw too much conclusion from that. I just think it's it's because there were literary devices at play, uh, rhetorical devices at play at the time, uh, and there 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 is a syntactic reason for that that has nothing to do with robbing the Holy Spirit of personhood. But my point is simple: the Holy Spirit. I think if we focus unduly on Him we take focus that should be going somewhere else away from where it should be going. Um, Yeah, uh, Hey Hey Alabama says, it never occurred to me that the Holy Spirit only says what Jesus tells him to say. Yeah, that's it. Um, And I I can't remember exactly. I think it's in John 16, but I could be wrong. But 14, 15, 16, and 17 is that whole end of the life discourse and it's really good to study uh, and study in its context. So um, my only point is the Word of God convicts. The Word of God keeps from sin, keeps us from sin. The Word of God enlightens. Now, the Holy Spirit delivered the Word, but I don't know. It's um, yeah. I I I think we can be pedantic and kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't know. I, I I need to flesh that more out in my mind. I think just sitting here in front of this camera, I'm convicted that instead of being like, well, you know, the Holy Spirit guides me in my life, I think it would be better to say, I'm guided by God and leave it at that, or I'm guided by the Holy Bible, I'm guided by God's Word. Anyway, just something to think about it. Um, yeah, uh, John, John's got the Scripture. Uh, John 16, uh, 12. Oh, Terry's got it too. John 16. Um, I'll read it here. It's from the LSB, but it'll work. Uh, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. He will take take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And um, yes, uh, Gita, yeah. yeah, Every member of the Godhead made a sacrifice. And I'm not sure. Maybe you could say Jesus' sacrifice was the grandest. But again, it's kind of like links in a chain. 
what, what you know if you if you if you have if you're if you have a chain and you're pulling a vehicle, which link can you do without? Um, I use the um, I use the illustration of this old trainer's fable about if you got a horse that won't load into a trailer, you take you some pebbles and you just toss gently, gently toss pebbles into that horse's rump. When you've got his head, you got to take a long rope and tie it into the trailer, and where the the horse just has enough where he can stand with his head in the trailer and his feet on the ground. And eventually, when you're as you're, you know, if you gently toss enough pebbles at that horse's rump, he's eventually going to calmly step in because he don't want to sit there and be pelted with pebbles. I've never tried it, but it in in theory it would work. Now, question: If I throw 999 pebbles and John comes along and throws one pebble and the horse calmly walks into the trailer. Who is it that was responsible for getting the horse in the trailer? Well, you say, well, John threw threw that pebble and got him in the trailer. Okay. That's fair enough. Which one of our pebbles could we have done without out of the 1000 pebbles thrown, which pebble could we have done without and still had the horse climb on the trailer? Something to think about. So when it comes to the sacrifices of the Godhead, the father sacrificed his son, the son sacrificed his life, and the Holy Spirit sacrificed his agency. What? Which one could we live without? Which one could we do without and still get the thing, get get what it was accomplished that we needed that needed to be accomplished in order for us to be saved from our sins? Um, no, it's all good, John. Um, now, yeah, so I, I appreciate, I appreciate, it. I, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, that that's such a good, you know what? That might be good to have a short video. I need to make more short videos for YouTube because they do really well. And if we can get uh, four thousand watch hours and five hundred subscribers then we can monetize our YouTube and YouTube will actually pay us money to stream and to put videos on the platform. So anyway, uh, Cardinal JL church online. I'm going to call you Cardinal. Good to see you. I've, I see you in the comment section. Um, now I feel bad. I see you in the comment section. I haven't replied to your comments. Anyway, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. So back to the parable at hand. Notice, the, notice the parable. The sower goes out, the farmer goes out and he sows, and then he gives it, he, he gives the, he trusts the process. Well, what happens? How does the farmer know how the, the seed gets into the soil? Well, I mean, obviously he knows how he gets into the soil. He threw it there. But does the farmer knows the inner workings of germination and what has to take place on into that kernel of, of, of grain in the ground? that causes it to hit the right moisture, hit the right temperature, uh, make a shoot and bud and grow fruit. He doesn't know how all that works. Granted, farmers nowadays are much more educated because reasons, but do you think the average farmer knows as much as the uh, horticulturalist or the bi- or the, the biologist or whatever? Probably not, but it doesn't matter. The farmer knows. I've got this field, I've got this seed, and there's a process, so I'm going to trust the process. That's a good lesson for us. 
Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? Well, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will, after their own lust, even of themselves, teachers having itching ears. It's not our job to do the convincing. Now, that doesn't mean, as I alluded to in the beginning, that once you have first contact with somebody and they reject the gospel, you don't just shake the dust off of your feet and write them off. Keep throwing seed. Maybe maybe talk to them a little bit. Maybe develop a rapport. But if it never happens, then that's not a reflection on you. It's not a reflection on the seed. It's a reflection on the soil. And look, it doesn't matter. Ask a farmer. Some of the some of the soil, there's some soil in this world, no matter what you do to it, will never produce a plant and it will never produce a healthy plant that also produces fruit. In fact, I don't know about this illustration. Maybe, maybe some of you in the audience can um maybe maybe some of you in the audience can take this illustration and and give me a good biblical application. But I had a buddy of mine and when, when I was training horses and we wanted to do a garden. So in this one little plot outside, out back behind the horse barn, off on, on, out of the way, we plowed up, we plowed, we tilled a place and we planted some tomatoes. Y'all, let me tell you, I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. We had tomato plants that were probably about 12 feet tall. And they, they were like big and thick at the bottom. I've ne- He and I, neither one had ever seen anything like that. Now, granted, I don't have a green thumb and neither does he, but we're not, I mean, we didn't grow up in the city. We know how to plant a garden. We know how to plant tomatoes and, and cucumbers and squash and, and watermelon and tendon. We grew up doing that. And the man that owned the property, whenever we told him about it, he got to laugh and he said, where'd you plant it? And we told him, he said, for 40 years, <laughs> for 40 years, that's where we dumped our manure whenever we cleaned stalls. So for four decades, and then uh, for four decades, and then a couple of other decades, it laid where nothing was taxing that. And so you can imagine how fertile that ground was. And the funny thing, and we didn't know this, but the guy that owned the property was an ag professor at University of Tennessee at Martin. He had a PhD in agriculture. And um he he told us the he told us the 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 he told us the educated way that I'm not going to repeat, but I'll give you the bullet points. Basically, and this is from my understanding, whenever you plant a tomato, if there's too if the nutrients in the soil, if the soil is too rich, or if you fertilize it too much, you will get all plant and no fruit. What you want is the right balance and you will get a good, healthy plant and you will get really, really good fruit. You will get a good yield of fruit. But our plants, like I said, some of them were like that big around, three to six inches thick in diameter at at the bottom. And like I said, 12 feet tall, some of them. And I'm not exaggerating. Like it was crazy. And uh, we had to we had to push them down with a tractor. Like they they, they were they they were substantive, but they grew little bitty old worthless tomatoes that weren't good for anything. 
but oh, it was a good plant. It looked really good. And that may be the illustration. If you've got good soil and the soil represents the heart, if your soil is full of manure, you'll be all hat and no cattle. You'll be all plant and no fruit. That, that, that might preach, folks. Anyway, back to the parable. Should we plow? Okay. I don't know if there's a yes or no to that. Let me, let me tell you this. It's not our job to plow. It's our job to sow seed. So who does the plowing? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's up to the individual to plow his own heart. Now, why do I say that? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 13, and we'll look where Jesus talked about. Here's why. Let's see. Where is it at? Matthew chapter 13. Well, hold on. Have I lost my mind? Oh, I haven't. I just, I thought it was later in the chapter. All right. Chapter 13, verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak out of them in parables, because seeing they see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand, lest at any time, or, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. In other words, it's not tilled. Their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Folks, this Matthew principle here, um, for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. That's a brutal, brutal principle that talks about a double helix downward is extremely difficult to course correct because you're building momentum in the wrong direction. A double helix upward is an extremely difficult path to change because you're building momentum. In other words, this is used in accounting and there's you know basically the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And if you're poor, it's very hard for you to course correct and get rich because if you got an abundance your abundance attracts more, and if you have a lack, then your lack keeps you lacking. So what in the world did Jesus mean about this? What is the difference between the disciples unto whom it was given to know the mysteries of the kingdom and the rest of the people that were rejecting? It was a heart condition. The people who were hearing and were understanding and following Jesus, 
they plowed their own hearts. So there is a sense in which you and I, it's not our responsibility to plow the field. Should we plow the field? Can we plow the field? Yeah. I think yes on both occasions. But if it's just somebody that we've met and we don't have a relationship with, like there's nothing you can do. You can you can start building rapport with them and you can you can start introducing them to the word of God. And I believe very interesting. In the first century, you have you have an interesting phenomenon of evangelists going out and preaching the gospel to people who have never at whatsoever at all heard about Jesus Christ. I dare say that you would be able to go out and preach the gospel today to anybody who has not heard about Jesus Christ. Folks, the plowing takes place already. The plowing takes place before you get to the field. In every parable, in every instance where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, it's like a field that's where, where stuff is planted. Never is the preparing of the field talked about because the responsibility of a prepared field is on the individual who is receiving the seed. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I callously say, well, I've told you, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and you don't want to follow that, then have a good time in hell. I'm shaking the dust off my feet. I think we have to build relationships. I think we have to build rapport. I think we have to build connection. But I don't think that's a plowed field. I don't. I, I think. I think we're doing everything we can do, and then the person has to be receptive to that. I think the only person that can plow and break up that fallow ground of their heart is them. And incidentally, what about the stony soil? They're responsible for their soil. What about the thorny ground? They're responsible for where they are and who they give access to influence them. That's why when you find somebody with good soil, that's a rare gift, and you should take advantage of it. But how can I tell whether or not somebody's got good soil, thorny soil, hard-packed soil, or stony soil? You can't. That's why we tell the gospel to everybody. That's why we broadcast and we trust the process and we leave it up to God. That's why Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The increase comes from the germinating seed and the seed sprouting and making a plant and that plant producing fruit. I have comments. Uh, each congregation should grow their field by preparing the community before a door knocking campaign. We plow with our presence as being the Christians that God would have us to be in showing the light everywhere we go. Yes, I, 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 co I 100%, not that, not that it makes a difference, but I'm 100% uh, place my stamp of approval on that. Uh, and then Greg James says, the Godhead is all three members. One cannot be without the other. We need all three, absolutely. And uh, Cardinal J.L. Uh, says that God is doing that. Good deal. 
And, uh, uh, have I missed a cultural reference? Uh, Hey, Hey, Alabama says John, John watched reading rainbow. Y'all, I don't remember reading rainbow growing up. I, 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 maybe I just barely, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so guys, I think that's all I've got to say. Uh, I love this parable and I think the implication here is each individual. So there, there, there's, there, there's two things that are true both at the same time. Each individual is responsible for his own heart, but yet we are responsible for sowing the seed and we can facilitate or yeah, well I'll say what well, we, we can facilitate the plowing up of a heart by our influence. You see, it's not that we plow the heart by our influence. We take down hurdles and barriers of entry and we allow the prospect to plow their own heart. And that's exactly what Greg James alluded to, I think. Each congregation could plow the field by preparing the community before a door-knocking campaign. Oh, that's I, that, I, I, I got that. that. That's where I got that then. Oh, it's in the 90s. That's why. My ch- I was... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see reading rainbows in the nineties. I'm I'm 46. In the nineties, I was in high school. Um, Lavar Burton had a show called Reading Rainbow. Meanwhile, back on the farm, I, that, that that cultural reference is in my brain. That's wild. All right, folks, that's all I've got here. I'm going to put the uh, tip jar back up. Remember, go out there and do everything you can to remove hurdles from people who who need to obey the gospel. Spread that seed, and you be a positive influence, allowing people to plow up the fallow ground of their heart and trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. Trust the process. God is working through the word. Trust the process. Like, I don't like this. That's it. Um, that's it. Sow the seed, Gita. That's it. Um, awesome. Um, watch the replays. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to now, because now I'm, now I'm curious. Um, but anyway, yeah, talking about watch the replay, the LeVar Burton reading rainbow. Uh, folks, listen, thank you so much. Remember, uh, $5 a month on Substack. Send us a monetary donation through Near Churches and uh, subscribe everywhere we are. Uh, follow us on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, at uh, One Chronicles 1232. And uh, yeah, Christianity Now. Uh, also, catch, uh, subscribe to the Cogitations podcast on uh, Pod- Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast, and TuneIn Radio. And I'm really contemplating. Uh, shutting the cogitations brand down and then um, just focusing on doing one podcast a week 
on the Podbean channel, changing that to Podbean or, uh, Christianity Now on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and just put one episode out there per week. And then still doing my live streams, but then taking the archived audio for the live streams uh, that I do Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and putting them on the podcast section of Substack. So I've, I've got some contemplation before 2024 hits. Um, Cardinal says, uh, that is what we have to do uh, to trust him with the process. And can we speak to each other someday? Um, my schedule is absolutely packed. Um, if, you, if you need to speak with me or have some one-on-one time, um, shoot me a message and, um, let me know what that's about. And I'll try to carve out some time. Uh, it, maybe, maybe I can help you. Maybe I can't, I don't know. Uh, will you be taking some time off for the holiday week? It's a good question, Scott Beck. I had thought about it, but I, one, I like doing this so much. Number one. So it doesn't really feel like work. And number two, the, the the platform is gaining momentum, and when you stop, your momentum stops, and then you got to rev it back up again. So quite frankly, I'm, I was thinking about taking the week off between Christmas and New Year's, but I'm kind of scared about that. I don't want to do that because, you know, you, I don't I don't lose the momentum we've created. Um, we got like 132, 130, I can't remember, go look. 132, 134 uh, subscriptions on YouTube. I, I would love to get 500 subscriptions. Because uh, once we get 500 subscriptions, once we start getting that watch time hours up, my goal in 2024 is to have YouTube monetized so they pay us for for what we do on YouTube. YouTube is making money off what we're doing. And we're not getting anything out of that. So, you know, anyway, that's all I got. Um, but that, that's, that's a roundabout way to answer your questions. Um, Sean, Sean, is that, Hey, Hey, is that, is that how you spell his name? Sean or Sean? Anyway, at Tyler town church of Christ is on Wednesday at two and Tuesdays at two and seven. Well, that's cool. All right, guys, we're going to get off here. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. You know where to support us, Substack, gmail.com for PayPal. And that's all I got. And catch Sean Evans, uh, Tyler Town Church of Christ, Wednesdays at 2, Tuesdays at 2 at 7. I'm assuming that's Central Standard Time. All right, God bless every one of you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.